everybody, and welcome to Podcast by Committee, which is actually now free on iTunes or Apple Podcasts, whatever it's called right now. Uh, this is the show where we kind of dig into the brains of our athletic NFL writers for 30 to 40 minutes uh, and, and churn out some real fantasy goodness. Today's guest, and also a big welcome to The Athletic. I know you've been here for, I think, about a couple months. Jordan Rodrigue, who covers the uh, Carolina Panthers. Jordan, thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me. I'm uh, I'm really excited about both being at The Athletic and joining Podcast by Committee. Also, disclaimer, I do not play fantasy football, so I will do my best to help everybody with whatever they need. However, I am not emotionally invested in each of their teams. <laughs> uh, you know, sometimes that helps. <laughs> yes. You sound like someone who's been disturbed by uh, fantasy questions in the past uh, with that statement. Oh, no, never. I never get that when I'm, you know, out and about in the in the tissue paper aisle at Target. No, that never happens to me. <laughs> <laughs> it's nice to be recognized, though, right? <laughs> not for fantasy football. <laughs> okay, fine. Um, if you, uh, by the way, jo- Jordan Rodriguez, uh, as, as a Ferdinando Defino. Your, your name spelling and pronunciation, I tried to get it right. And it's very hard to find like a video of you saying, hey, this is Jordan Rodrigue. Like I dug a lot. So um, I hope we're doing you proud with that. That's the right pronunciation, right? That's the way you said it in an old video. Yeah, you crushed it. Uh, that's great because that's that's pretty rare that someone gets it right on the first time. I know that the extra you and the, the no Z kind of throws people off sometimes. It's cool though, right? Having a cool name. Yeah, I like it. I like it yeah. a lot. I thank my parents for it, I guess. <laughs> I say that all the time. Uh, Jordan's Twitter, by the way, is Jordan, J-O-U-R-D-A-N, Rodrigue, which is Rodriguez without a Z. Uh, no underscore, nothing like that. Just Jordan Rodrigue on Twitter. Um, should we get into this? Perfect. Okay. Uh, apologies that these are going to be all kind of fantasy-ish questions on behalf of all the <laughs> fantasy nation. but <laughs> I love it. I love it. Uh, so I think we start with Cam Newton and his foot. Uh, it seems to be the most pressing thing. I don't know if that'll kind of date the show a little bit in a couple of weeks, but uh, you know, the walking boot is always a very scary thing for a fantasy player. And, um, you know, with I, I was thinking about this a little more just before the show that I didn't make the connection with, you know, Cam's 30. He's coming off his second lowest yards per game rushing. Um, he's he had the shoulder surgery. Now he's got a lower leg injury. Uh, are there any kind of like shades of Andrew Luck or is, is, any, is there even like, like a 1% smidgen of worry that he's going to be like, you know, that's not the worst idea? No, I think he's I think he's all in, um, particularly this season ahead of this big contract that's coming up for him. Um, so I think that with this foot, so he had a left midfoot sprain, and let me tell you, uh, I have been, I had been hitting the pavement pretty hard, uh, chasing some details on this midfoot sprain that turned out to not be very a very big deal. But obviously, it's extremely frightening for fans um, to see him go down in a preseason game, no less. Um, yeah. And he had to, you know, he, he was scrambling to avoid pressure way too many times during that preseason game. He only dropped back six times and he got sacked on two of those. Um, and so that's not good. But for him, I kind of now compare that midfoot sprain to a little bit of, um, you know, welcome to turning 30 because that's, that's kind of, he's getting used to, a little, a few more aches and pains um, that has come from what he's put his body through for the last, you know, 11 years or so. And I think that that was really scary to see the boot. Um, what I was told by people with the team was that the boot, while they, they understood it would kind of cause a panic, uh, as it should. I mean, that's a frightening thing to see. Um, but they wanted to make sure that they compressed the injury uh, and the sprain while they were on the plane. And so 
a lot of times when you're on a plane and you're a football player and you're coming home, a lot of guys will actually sit in kind of those, have you ever seen those really tall, um, full legged compression, uh, pants, basically. Um, a lot of guys will oh, sit. Sounds well, awesome. Yeah. It's, it's really cool. Basketball players use them a lot. They're compression pants essentially. And, and they'll sit in those, they'll have maybe a sleeve on their calves or something like that, because when they're on the plane, um, any, any distance for a flight, your, your body will tend to swell. And as you get older, uh, you will notice this happening. Um, even normal people, you will notice this happening. And so they wanted to make sure that they put every precaution to make sure that the swelling was, was not bad. And then they, he was getting multiple treatments on um, the midfoot sprain throughout the week or uh, throughout the, the next couple of days and keeping it elevated and keeping the weight off of it. Um, and uh, on the Monday, as we as we record this, it, it was yesterday, but for, for those who are kind of joining, um, on the Monday after that Thursday night preseason game, he was able to come back um, and go through like his warm-up routine, and he was throwing the ball a little bit. He didn't drop back. Um, that's obviously going to be the workload that he builds um, this week is, is dropping back the way that he normally does with those big, long strides. And so this was, I think, more of a scare than, than people would – would really know from just kind of glancing at it. Uh, it was more of a scare and less of a serious problem. It's kind of just a tweak. Um, it was a freak thing. The thing that I think he he and maybe fantasy owners um, would would be concerned about is how much pressure he faced just in those six dropbacks. I right. think that's the, I think that's a concerning part here. Right, because no one's. I mean, you hear about the, the terrible offensive lines and the great offensive lines. Um, and Carolina has been man like you know you talk about the quarterbacks I guess in the fantasy analysis of things no one's like oh watch out you know Carolina's like, Carolina's offensive line is not good this year and Cam's gonna get killed um, we haven't heard any like even whispers of that so it was kind of interesting to see that happen I guess yeah because they haven't played together it, it was really interesting and I think you're you're gonna start to see more scrutiny increase there because these guys haven't played very much together. Um, Matt Paradis and Daryl Williams, both who are veterans, but they're both coming off serious injuries. Matt Paradis being the center and Daryl Williams has slided over to um, left tackle. They are coming back from serious injuries where they spent a year recovering from them. And Daryl Williams was the team's right tackle um, in in 2017 and then spent 2018 recovering from a pretty serious knee injury. And Matt Paradis was signed in free agency to replace Ryan Khalil. So these guys are playing. Uh, Matt Paradis is not playing out of position, but Daryl very much is. And at the same time, um, you know, that right side is shored up pretty well with Taylor Moten and Trey Turner. But the center um, over to the left, that's where I think there's some concern. And, like, you really don't want to be concerned about the left side of your offensive line Right. When your when your quarterback takes these big long drop back strides, and um, they're trying to get him to um, have to take these take less of these hits, and so that combination, um, they really have to get it together uh, in a very short time. Okay, so kind of off that, and you mentioned um, you know Cam is now thirty, and here's his welcome to thirty moment. Uh, what like what does this mean? You know, in fantasy, there's a lot of value placed on the running quarterback. Um, and you know, he is coming off. I think I mentioned this earlier, his second lowest yards per game rushing total, his career his lowest rushing touchdown total. Um, you know, he's coming off shoulder surgery. He's got the foot now. What is this going to mean for his rushing yards? I mean, he's kind of hovers around 400 and the touchdowns are up and down, but, um, are they going to make any kind of concerted effort to say, scale that back to maybe 250 for the year, or is it just going to be business as usual? 
No, you know, I don't think they're going to put a number on it. And that's a great question because I think you just, you know, from a from a beat writer standpoint, you're, you're always wondering in terms of what this offense will evolve into. And so under Norv Turner, um, they're not eliminating him as a running threat. It's just a little bit more efficient with um, not not uh, instructing him to kind of take off and run if he doesn't see a look right away um, and more so offer a few more intermediate layers, check down looks, things like that. So he doesn't necessarily have to take off and run um, every time he's kind of facing this pressure, which again, going back to our previous topic is quite a bit of the time. (laughs) And so um, I think that that what you can look at is the first six games of last season and his rushing yards. A lot of it does depend on the opponent. Um, one, I remember Norv kind of laughing to me, Norv Turner kind of laughing to me because um, Cincinnati played them a lot of single high safety. And so Cam sees that and he's like, shoot, I'm going to take off and run. Nobody's going to stop me. And so, um, and I don't know why Cincinnati played him like that, to be honest with you. They were kind of like daring him. Uh, they were kind of like buying into the whole, oh, I guess you're not going to run as much this year, which they were extremely wrong about that. And then Christian McCaffrey gashed them a lot that year, that game too. Um, but, but, and I, I really think where you're going to see a lot of touchdowns from him is in this short yard pa- packages. Um, Pete Hayner, the tight ends coach, he designs all their short yardage packages and he's been around for this team for eight years. Um, he is very, very certainly going to continue to utilize Cam Newton, um, as the best short yardage runner, um, in the game. And that includes among running backs as well. And so they know that they can score a touchdown, um, you know, with such efficiency when cam newton is kind of in those bootlegs or they're close to the they're close to the end zone and he can he can kind of get those short yardage uh touchdowns and i think that that's something that you're going to see still used um efficiently that that's where i think his his rushing touchdowns will come from um and you know if they can get there which they haven't gotten into the red zone really very much in the preseason but if they can get there then i think you're going to see him used as a runner a little bit more uh, well that, uh, so does that play, I mean, thank you for the wonderful segue uh, into the running backs, but does that segue <laughs> into, uh, into um, Christian McCaffrey and his, his ability to, I guess, be the goal line back in a way? Um, so if it's, if it's not Cam, is it going to be Christian McCaffrey or is there someone else there that, um, that maybe could take away some goal line carries? I have a very specific question about a running back that you mentioned in, I think, one of your last couple articles uh, that has to do with the cutdowns of the 53-man roster and what it's going to look like. So like, please don't spoil Reggie uh, Bonafon, <laughs> but but if there is there is there going to be anyone else there, or is it going to be basically Cam and Christian McCaffrey when when we see them in the I guess in the money zone or the red zone, even the five within the five? Yeah, you know they're they're so statistically efficient there that I would think that they're that's the go to option. I think um, Ian Thomas, the tight end, um, he might he might be a, a good option for them there. They were working him a lot in the red zone um in training camp and I think that but I think Cam and Christian are going to be your feature guys especially in that money zone um like you said but uh yeah I think there are some promising up-and-comers on this roster the thing is is that in terms of uh experience and being able to draw a defense um out in a different way that maybe a traditional running back can do can't the combination of Christian McCaffrey and Cam Newton I mean especially when you're that close to the end zone, um, as a defense, you have, you know, like six things to prepare for, uh, within, you know, seconds. And so I think they really like 
those layers. But when they switch it up, um, maybe have two back sets or something close to the goal line or fullback set. I think Alex Armagh, um, the fullback, uh, North Turner loves using a fullback still. So I think there's a chance that he he's used in kind of like those jumbo packages that they use at the goal line. Um, and I do really, really like the player you just mentioned for them, Reggie Bonifant. <laughs> yeah, go ahead. Let's segue into him. I really, I, I'd like to talk to you about him because he's he's a really interesting player. Let me. Um. So, camera, like looking at the depth chart. Um, and I guess we would like the, the backup quarterbacks. You're kind of like, oh, Jesus, not like a veteran on there. But the backup running backs, it's you're kind of you're like, oh, it's still Cameron Artis Payne, huh? Um, so you wrote in your article. <laughs> I have a hard time imagining that Rivera doesn't keep a veteran like Artis Payne in the group, but don't sleep on former Louisville quarterback, wide receiver, and running back Reggie Bonifon, now a pass-catching back who spent last season on the practice squad. Um, you mentioned his versatility, his development, uh, his improvement. He played a lot in the, the last preseason game on Thursday, and you wrapped it up with, he just might surprise everybody in two weeks. Um, so there you go. There's your setup, Jordan. Please take it away. <laughs> yeah, I like Reggie. He is Great kid, first of all, really, really great kid. And second of all, um, so when I my fun backstory on him is so he he was signed as an undrafted free agent a little over a year ago, and everyone was like, Okay, <laughs> why? Because it, nobody knew what the Panthers' plan was going to be for him, and then he, because he was an undrafted free agent, we knew he's going to be stashed on the practice squad. And then he started getting um, running back carries and then he was being utilized a little bit in the passing game. Um, But mostly he was working scout team and install last year. And so you kind of, sometimes you lose track of of those guys. Well, my first morning coming out of training camp, um, one of the Panthers staffers came up to me um, on their coaching staff, came up to me and asked me, you know, kind of what I was looking at and what I was studying for, for that week. And I said backup running backs and he got so fired up talking about Reggie Bonifon and how, what a great, great off season he had and how much develop, how much he's developed and how much growth he showed. And I thought to myself for a minute, I thought, okay, so he's buddies with Reggie. Cool. But then, um, but then, you know, I started, I started opening my eyes and I, I started studying Reggie and when Christian is spelled, Reggie is taking the exact same snaps that Christian is taking when Christian is spelled. And so that's very interesting to me because earlier this year, the Panthers went out and said, Hey, we're going to draft a running back. Most likely Um, we'd like them to have a similar skill set to Christian McCaffrey. Well, when they said that they were bringing in a running back to help share Christian's workload last year via CJ Anderson, uh, that turned the opposite, in fact, turned out to be true. They barely used CJ, as, as we all know. And and then CJ went and lit it up uh, for, for the Rams. And so when we heard that, we're like, okay, okay, yeah, you're going to draft a running back and all that, you know, right? So we're like, okay, cool. But but we also knew that, that Christian was not going to be, he's not going to be taking, he's not going to have less touches. He's just going to be utilized more efficient, efficiently in terms of his decoy snaps as, as we kind of call them um, are, are maybe going to be less because teams are starting to get wise to, you know, him being a decoy at times on the field. So enter Reggie who, when Christian, the, the types of things that they have in their playbook. And if you watch this, uh, you know, this last preseason game, the types of things that they have in their play, playbook designed for Christian Reggie is, is working those plays. Obviously Christian hasn't played much this preseason, and I find that very, very interesting, first of all, that 
he specifically, because they have two running backs with like decent hands um, in Jordan Scarlett and Elijah Holyfield, who are battling for, for a spot on the 53. And then Cameron Artis Payne, he doesn't have bad hands, um, but he's a little bit more of a traditional power back. And so the fact that it was Reggie who kind of drew that straw of, of being that dynamic um, and versatile back in, in literally some of the same design that Christian is used for in this playbook, to me, that's kind of opening my eyes a little bit. And so he does have practice squad eligibility left. He could get stashed because they did draft Jordan Scarlett. That would be kind of a hard thing to, to not, you know, keep your, your fifth round pick. But um, but Reggie Bonifafon, I think in if not this year, but in in a year, I think he's going to be a really pleasant surprise for people um, and a really great kid for it to happen to as well. Well, is is the, the thinking maybe like you could put him on the practice squad, and if something happens to McCaffrey, you just bring him up from the practice squad, and he becomes a new McCaffrey, maybe? Right. I think that that's something he he's definitely in, an insurance plan for them because he is. So uh, another cool thing actually is. He um, all all off season, he studied film specifically with Christian. They would go off and have their own film sessions together. So I thought that that was really interesting because that shows you a lot about what his, his future role will be. And then I think that they're really in, in a, you know, their big picture plan with him is that they would like them to be kind of a dynamic, dynamic tandem um, as you're kind of seeing with like DJ Moore and Curtis Samuel at receiver. And so I think that um, that's a possibility. I do think that they would love it if I didn't write about him so much because they don't want <laughs> they don't want someone to steal him. But gotcha. um, but I'm fascinated by him, and I think that it you know if he has a great if he has a great game um, this week, they might have to sign him early because I know they would like to keep him on the practice squad another year and kind of hide him away from other teams. But other teams obviously can sign him off the practice squad. So if he plays really well, because he's leading them in, in rushing and receiving right now. And so if he plays really well um, this week, they, they have an even tougher decision than they already have because um, he might be too good for, for them to stash on the practice squad. And he can throw. And he can throw, which he's, he's yeah. awesome. Yeah, he's, and he's so nice. I, like, I, I can't even believe he's just this, um, this talent that you just kind of don't can't believe and you're like why are you on the practice squad (laughs) and then and then you and then you talk to him and he's like the most humble kid is it's just really cool well awesome thank you for that that's uh i feel like you do play fantasy and you're just kind of screwing with us i just i just like people yeah (laughs) okay Okay, fair enough (laughs) i I like helping you guys find your guys (laughs) thank you jordan that's sweet of you thank you (laughs) just don't bother at target (laughs) yeah don't talk to me at target i'm shopping (laughs) <laughs> um, you actually gave us a mini segue in there to the uh, to the wide receivers, and that's that's been a, a befuddling case for a lot of people playing fantasy and drafting. Um, is the DJ Moore Curtis Samuel kind of which way do I go? What do I do here? Um, DJ Moore is going earlier, and I think people are assuming that he's number one. But everything out of camp has been so positive about Samuel, and, and everyone seems to love him as a as kind of a guy you can get later in your drafts who could maybe even outpace more. Um, could you just help us clear up the if if it's possible? to clear up this wide receiver situation and how it's going to shake out? Yeah, to be honest with you, I think that they are going to have pretty similar numbers this year. I know that I'm, I'm one of kind of the the few that's a little bit more even keel in that mindset where I think that – I think well, that's numbers, what we need here. Yeah, yeah. everyone <laughs> remain calm. Yeah, no, I think, that I think that their numbers are going to look pretty similar, and that's because um, 
the, the idea of the number one receiver does not exist in Carolina um, anymore. It has not since Steve Smith were, was here. And they tried to force people into that role, and it wasn't the right guy um, each time. Kelvin Benjamin uh, was, was to, to say politely, an epic failure here. Uh, Devin Funches um, was not the guy who, who w- worked out for them long term. And so they have decided that instead of, of having a traditional number one receiver, um, this, is, this is a position where if you can have two guys that have very different skill sets combining because you're, you're spreading the ball around more than you have been in the past, you can have these guys combining um, to put up those big numbers. And, and, you know, I could very feasibly see Christian McCaffrey get close to a thousand yards receiving. And I could very also feasibly see from this offense, because when Cam was healthy, there were times when you could really see this possibility. I could feasibly see DJ and Curtis put up at least 800 themselves, along with Christian putting up close to a thousand. And I think that that's something that that's what they want. Of, Of course, everyone has to stay healthy. They have to execute the way that, that, you know, they keep saying that they're going to, but I think right. that with DJ and Curtis specifically, so they're not going to take away McCaffrey in the passing game. That's just, they're just not going to. So that in some ways that would limit targets for DJ Moore and, um, and Curtis Samuel, except um, now they're trying to, to pass the ball around, throw the ball around a lot more. As you saw when Cam was healthy, the first six games, they, they very much did that. And so um, DJ, I think for, for people who are kind of figuring out which guy to, to bring in DJ is going to be um, a guy who let's say, let's say they put him into an intermediate route. He's going to turn it into a long, a long ball. So we kind of talked last year about um, when Cam's deep ball was, was MIA because his shoulder was really sore. They yeah. then, they then moved DJ into a role where because he can accumulate yards after the catch so well, the deep ball was kind of adjusted into this new thing where it's not really a deep ball in the air, but it ends up a deep ball in the stat sheet because DJ's taking it an extra 10 yards after contact. And so with him, they, they really want him to especially um, kind of plow his way through the middle of the field where Curtis, not only will Curtis be a, a deep threat for them um, and very much was in camp for every, for every quarterback on the roster, um, but Curtis is also going to move all over the field. He's not just going to stay at the X. And I, I and I think that where they could get into some trouble, and they did a little bit last year, is kind of uh, pigeonholing him into the role of a gadget player. And he is not. I mean, he's a receiver, and he's going to make he's going to make explosive plays. He's going to take a five yard pass and turn it into a fifty yard fifty yard ball. And so I think that um, you know. They're trying to they're trying to temper their excitement about Curtis and what he could possibly do this year. Um, and I think that what, you know when you see him as a receiver, you will you will think, okay, yeah, he, he's the number one receiver. Except for the fact that that he and DJ will be both, I think, getting a similar number of of looks. But I think that DJs will be a little bit different in that they will look to him to um, really grind them through the middle of the field really extend plays um, where they need it badly, maybe on second and third down. Um, and Curtis um, could kind of be the guy who keeps defenses on their heels a little bit. And uh, I mean, so we got like a thousand for McCaffrey and then 
that brings us to like 2,600 between those two. Um, and I, we obviously got to hit tight end because that Ian Thomas, Greg Olson situation has, has some people asking questions. Um, but there are a lot of familiar names on the depth chart, you know, Chris Hogan, mm-hmm. um, Jarius Wright, uh, Torrey Smith. Is, is there room for any kind of anything from anyone else? Or is it kind of like, well, you know, if, if one of the top two get hurt, maybe one of them steps up. Um, and if so, is there like a number three or, or someone you'd, you've seen a lot from in camp who can be like, you know, oh, Torrey Smith, career resur- uh, resurgence with the Panthers. Anything like that? Yeah, you know, I think Greg Olson and um, Jarius Wright will probably combine to be the number three guy. Um, okay. I think that I think that they'll be used situationally. Jarius um, had this great stat last year where on third down, um, eight of his nine, th- it was like through week 14 or something like that. I tracked this last year, but I don't have it in front of me. But um, it was like set either seven of nine or eight of nine of his catches on third down actually went for a touchdown. And so – like he, he is, he's Cam's go-to on third down when Greg was not healthy. Now Greg's healthy. So I think that they will split those up based on the defensive look that they get. And I think that Jarius and Greg w- will be uh, a little bit more um, situational in that regard. And I think they'll combine for that to be kind of the number three receiver. Um, Ian Thomas, I think they, they want to run some two tight end sets and you hear a lot about kind of those, coming back in vogue. Um, and Ron Rivera is really funny. He will always bring up when they had Greg Olson and Jeremy Shockey, like years ago. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He will always bring that up and be like, well, we were really successful when we had those guys. And so <laughs> you kind of get the idea that um, they're going to run some two tight end sets, probably more two, di- two tight end sets than two running back sets, if I'm being honest, um, if, if everything kind of goes their way. And so I think, but I, but again, I think that because DJ and Curtis are so dynamic and they can be, they can move all over the field and Christian can also move all over the field. Um, it's kind of going to be like Cam Newton is the sun and all these guys are planets and they're just kind of orbiting around him into ver- in various spots. And so um, that's, that's very beautiful and poetic. I've never thought of anything. <laughs> that's, that really helps I, explain this all. I write things sometimes. Um, no, but, <laughs> But I think that um, I think that that's what it's going to look like. It really will look like kind of one of those those um, mechanical solar systems that you see in, in the Toy Story or the Discovery Channel or something like that, where just a lot of people are just kind of orbiting at all times around the sun. And so um, that, that's why I say it's situational. But I could pretty confidently say that DJ and Curtis, I think their numbers are going to look pretty similar. Um, and I do confidently think that Jarius and Greg will combine as the, as a number three guy. Okay. Um- I want to just a philosophical question uh, before we move on to getting to know Jordan. Um, <laughs> Ron Rivera last year, and I read like the fantasy players made a big deal out of him saying, you know, Christian McCaffrey's going to get like a billion touches. Um, and they're like, yeah, right, right, right. But he kind of did. And um, we have this problem with, you know, the coach speak where, you know, Bill Belichick's the, the extreme example of it, but where there's a lot of kind of obfuscation and, you know, outright lies about what they're going to do and what they want to do and who's hurt and this and that. Um, is we're not going to have you here every week to help us. So if we read something from Ron Rivera, um, where, where's like the BS meter from like one to 10 on that? Cause it seems kind of like he just says stuff and it, and it happens now. Um, but is he, is he really just messing with, I guess, like the media and the general public and not giving too much away or can we kind of, you know, is there some like kernel of truth in something he might say that's kind of interesting for a fantasy player? Yeah, no, I actually think Ron's one of the rare people where you can, 
you can pretty much take what he says. And if he, and if he is incorrect, then it's usually because um, there was some plot twist behind the scenes that happened that, that couldn't uh, make something execute the way that he thought it would. The only thing is injuries. Injuries he will not, you, you can't budge him on. But in terms of um, production, I mean, he's been telling us for two years that they're not going to, that Chris, he's been telling us for, for almost four years um, that Christian McCaffrey is a, uh, can run between the tackles. And I was like, thank you, because why did nobody think that he could? Second of all, he's been telling us about how Norv uses his running backs. When Norv had LaDainian Tomlinson, Norv was like, if I could give you the ball and my firstborn child on every snap, then I would. <laughs> With w- Norv loves his running back. If he has a running back that he can trust, he will, he will, he will just feed them and feed them and feed them and feed them and feed them. And and Ron's like, look, guys, that's Norv. That's what he he has pretty much autonomy of the offense. Like that's what he's going to do. So I don't think people can uh, – I, I don't think that there's a lot to read between the lines with Ron. Injuries, you're never going to get anything out of him. So um, th- that's probably better kind of reading the tea leaves on those. But um, but in terms of, of just kind of will this guy play X ta- snaps, will this guy play Y snaps, I think one of the, one of the good examples um, that I, that I kind of use with Ron – is when Curtis Samuel um, had his irregular heartbeat last year and he missed the first four weeks of the season and the team brought him back really slowly. Um, you know, he wasn't, he wasn't getting the ball very much. They were kind of working him back in as again, as kind of that gadget player. Um, he scored a touchdown uh, every five touches last year at one point, it, like through weeks, week 15. And so that was in, that's insane efficiency, right? Well, that's not right. that's not sustainable if you're not going to be using a guy, you know, as a full time player. But they were using him a little bit more in a limited way. And you know, everyone was like, you know, play Curtis, and I I, I said it too, play Curtis more. Why the hell aren't you playing Curtis more? And it was because um, it was a really really scary medical situation that they didn't really talk to us about much. But this year, Ron kind of came out and was was like, I was pretty ticked off at all you guys for for saying that I need to play Curtis more. I was looking out for the guy's health because he went through a really scary heart situation and he was literally sitting on his couch for four weeks and he couldn't come in off the street and play, you know, a full NFL game. We had to work him back into it. He missed most of training camp that year as well. And so we were like, Oh yeah, you were so you were actually being pretty honest with us at the time, and we were trying to read the tea leaves too much. So with Ron, um, I think you're, you're always going to get pretty honest, uh, pretty honest look from him. All right, nice to hear. Um, did I miss anything? I, I have to ask. This. I like I, I think I try to do a very thorough job of, of getting the questions everyone wants to know, but uh, you know, once in a while, like if I didn't read that story about Reggie Bonifon, like that would have been like, oh yeah, check this guy out. Um, <laughs> Did I, is there anything glaring that I missed here that you've been seeing that you just kind of think maybe a, a fantasy player should know? No, I think I think you pretty much covered all of the the important points. Um, if I'm if I'm kind of thinking correctly, I guess defense doesn't matter as much, right? It does, but you know, like this, this one's really not care. gonna. I mean, yeah, this one never really. In my as far as I know, uh, this one never really has like a bunch of takeaways or anything like that. They're hoping to have more this year, but they, they never really kind of have this insane amount of takeaways the last few years. So I don't, I don't know about that, but, um, but other than that, I think you covered all of the the key players that people are really going to want to know about. Well, I couldn't have done it without you. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Um, 
Let, let's get into getting to know Jordan. This is just something we do at the end of every show where we just kind of ask 10 questions and, and see what your answers are. Perfect. Okay. Uh, number one, who's your favorite band? Oh, that's hard. Pearl Jam. Well, all right. Number two, uh, what's your go-to Gatorade flavor? Oh, I don't like Gatorade, but I like Noon. And I was just asked this yesterday. I have a very, really? ho- I have a very horrifying story as to why I don't like Gatorade, but I will not share it with the class. Okay, we'll, we'll <laughs> wait till we hit stop on this, and then I'm going to hear it. Uh, number three, what was your favorite cartoon when you were growing up? Uh, Courage the Cowardly Dog and Rocco's Modern Life. All right. Uh, number four, what's the last thing you streamed? Uh, the Office reruns. <laughs> uh, number five, what is the greatest I mean, athletic? No, no, no. Oh, no, I'm, so, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to move on so quickly. Go no, ahead. I mean uh, all, all of the great podcasts at The Athletic. That's what <laughs> I meant to say. I meant we are, that was more of a video streaming question. <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> um, what is the greatest athletic achievement of your life? Um, oh, so there was this – I played tennis in high school, and there was this young lady who – went on to play at Stanford um, and be very, very good, like a national champion. And I scored one point on her and that's it. <laughs> Congratulations. Uh, uh, number six is we ask everyone this one. Uh, you're 15 years old again. Who's your celebrity crush? We've gotten some good answers for this one. Uh, mine's really weird. Okay. Tom Petty. Okay. Okay. Yes. Yeah. Mine's really weird. <laughs> are, you, are you secretly like 45 years old? Because you've uh, gotten Pearl Jam. We've gotten Tom Petty. Yeah. I'm secretly. And the office a, reruns. I'm secretly a middle-aged man. <laughs> uh, number seven. What's your drink of choice when you're out and about? I like beer. I like IPAs. Charlotte has got way too many, but I like them all. Uh, number eight. Someone cool has five hours to spend in your city. What do you tell them to do? Uh, go try all the IPAs in the city. <laughs> <laughs> that was an easy one. Thank you. You're, really, you're like the, the queen of segues. This is very easy to do a podcast. Uh, number nine, what kind of pen do you use? Ooh, I have I have two. Two that I keep in a special jar on my counter. Because you know you always have to have a good pen. One is a – it's a Bic um, ballpoint pen, and it's it's like that shiny black ink. And the other is a cactus pen. And I am from Arizona, and so I love my cactus pen. You know, it's, you'd be surprised. I, I thought these answers would be like that too. And only Greg Allman uh, gave us like, an, he like got into his pen. Everyone else is like, whatever's free at the Marriott. <laughs> that's, actually very a, surprised. that's a typical sports writer answer. That's for sure. I know, but still I thought, <laughs> you know, I'm very like, I'm very partial to my, you know, G2 with blue yeah, ink and I've got like a hundred of them. It matters. Yeah. And when I, when they're on sale, like CVS, I go nuts and get like four packs of them. Oh yeah. I'm with you. All right. Thank you. Um, and final question do your Pop-Tarts toasted or untoasted? Untoasted cinnamon brown sugar. Oh, so weird. <laughs> okay. <laughs> My childhood crush was Tom Petty. Of course it's weird. Oh, yeah, I know. I guess in context, <laughs> that's totally normal. Uh, Jordan Roderick, uh, thank you so much. Um, if you uh, Obviously, I assume everyone listening likes what they're hearing. Um, check her out on Twitter at Jordan Rodrigue, J-O-U-R-D-A-N. Rodrigue, uh, which Rodriguez without a Z, I guess is the easiest way to explain that one. Um, but really for the good stuff, you can go to her author page on The Athletic, just find a story that she wrote and then click on her name and it brings you to a page with the entire archive. Uh, you can click the follow button and in your feed, in the app or on your desktop, wherever you're enjoying The Athletic, um, all of her stories will come in interspersed with obviously all the fantasy ones. 
Um, so Jordan, th- thank you very much. This is this is great, and uh, and I feel like we know a little bit more about the Carolina Panthers now because of it. Yes, and about me too. And you, yeah. <laughs> I think. And please don't bother her in stores. Just wait, wait, and then tweet her later. Just Target. <laughs> if you see me at Publix, it's fair game. But just Target. I'm yeah, focused if, at Target. If you're at the toy store looking at constellations, it's totally cool. <laughs> oh, this Ken Newton, right? Yeah. <laughs> Jordan, thank you very much. Uh, this is awesome and uh, very much appreciated. My pleasure.